On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's here in 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this uh, humid Wednesday evening and thanks to Kevin Hillier and uh, a real legend of uh, Melbourne radio, it has to be said. Um, and I know he walks past us in the, you know, as we walk, as we, you know, move into the studio and we shake his hand. But the Diego's are saying, you're a legend, mate. You actually... <laughs> we bow on the you inside. You got down on your knees today, Rodrigo, as, oh, a, no, voice, no, as a voice man yourself. No, we're, because we're equals now. <laughs> equals? No, no, no. Well, I'm sitting in his chair at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's but, true. Uh, so a real pro now will back introduce him that's Warren right. and, and, and Vinny. Yeah, well, yes. oh, well, I don't have to. Warren's here, Vinny's here, and, and you're here too, Thank Carlos. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, that's yes. But, Kev is a legend. He is. Good and, bloke. And he does shake my hand firmly. There's none of this dead fish handshake well, when you're walking out either. So he respects It's a Werribee handshake. It, absolutely. He's a Westie guy too, which <laughs> makes him even more of a now, legend. Now, you know, Warren and I have had our moments over 23 years in the studio. There's a lot of angst, a lot of, uh, I don't know, Antagon- and, and can I say now on air that yeah. people think it's not real? It's real. <laughs> it's absolutely we, real. In fact, I, I actually soften it on air, to tell you the truth. <laughs> no time um, for Carlos. But you're my brother. You are my brother. Yeah, yeah. 23 years of doing this, yep. even though you're, you're yep. red-headed. I bagged you today you're, you're, on the little pa- thing that yeah, I did. You're yeah, pale and red-headed and, you know, and all that. So I've seen you grow into a, yeah, yep. into a from, from a fit, pale and red-headed man <laughs> to an overweight, chubby, chubby <laughs> okay. rotund who, who still runs marathons. Uh, I'm, still runs I'm, marathons. I'm yeah. working yeah. on that. Uh, but I congratulate you today because <laughs> Liverpool, oh, yes. they have qualified for the Copa del Kissing Your Sister Cup <laughs> final. And they may well be playing Everton. Yeah, it would be good, wouldn't it? Or Man City. Who would you like to beat? The the, the money bags in Man City or Everton, the, the crosstown rivals? Well, the man we with which we believe, Jurgen Klopp says, that, you know, a Liverpool derby, yep, an Anfield derby, a Merseyside derby would be the, the best result. But, but you're expected to win that. Yeah, that's the problem. But see, Man City, if you beat the ones with money, yes, suddenly you can say, well, we can win without yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we but can. they can't. Look, I'm just happy to go to Wembley. <laughs> they can't. I'm just. We beat them last time. I tell you what, no, you Stoke, Stoke, anything's possible. Stoke, Stoke were unlucky. Yeah, they were. Although, unlucky the, although their goal was offside, yeah. and they were unlucky. But uh, yeah, it was. It was a funny story because I was otherwise engaged, unable to connect with my, you know, my technology interface. Oh. And uh, <laughs> so you couldn't get Wi-Fi. So no, I couldn't until after the. Well after that, well, well, well after the game, and the storm hadn't even hit Point Cook at that oh, stage. I tell you, the storm this <laughs> afternoon. Oh, gee whiz! Anyway, I thought all hell had yep. come down upon me. Yes, yep. no, we've done the weather now. Uh, thanks, Warren. <laughs> big, big show for you tonight. Uh, we'll catch up with Mike McGrath from the Sun in the UK, and uh, and of course we'll uh, do Warren's rant and Vinnie Venezuela's "Gee, I love this game" segment. Um, and we'll take your SMS at zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen or your calls on nine four. Two nine eleven sixteen. Tonight's show is brought to you by again Premium Sport Tours because nothing beats being there. If you're going overseas and you need some tickets because you're going to a sporting event um, or you want to go on a tour, make sure you check out uh, sporttours.com. 
www.sportsradio.com.au and uh, John and his team there will look after you. Or call them directly on 1-800-4-SPORT, 1-800-477-678. Uh, good crew at Premium Sport Tours. And they're all over the Copperdale Kissing Your Sister tickets they are. for the final on February the 28th. You going over, Warren? John will get them for you. If, if you oh, call yeah. Premium Sport Cop- Tours tomorrow. They, uh, they've got them in their hands already. <laughs> Copperdale Kissing Your Sister. The tickets are the least of my worries. It's the cash to get the flight. You even get a photo of your sister. <laughs> so included excellent. in the package. So what is the hot topic tonight, uh, Warren? Yes, the, the hot topic. Well, Frank and Ox start the day. We yes. end the day. So we're really connected. You know, we're colleagues and we're, you know, well-respected. Well, well, Benny Jones really starts the day, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, he does. He actually gets to see them the next yeah. morning. But we sort of finish yeah. the day that they, yeah. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. And they've got this little segment going, Frank and Ox. It's yeah. Breakfast with Frank and Ox. It's a very, very, great very show. good title yeah. and a great show. They've got this little thing called the grapevine, and mm. I happen to listen to it on the way to work each day. And Frank today, in his own inimitable style, because he's well connected, mm. well very knows well everyone, connected everyone, in the yeah. soccer yeah. in the soccer field, he basically said that there's a current A League coach. Yep, there's a rumor, rumor, yep. actively, actively yep. shopping himself around. Now this for is obviously yep. for next season to other clubs mm. and in the A League. In the A League, right. and as Frank, Warren, just, is there a letter? Is there a long letter? <laughs> I Why think I he want might to be your coach. Him, he might have modelled himself on Jose Mourinho's yeah. long letter. But apparently the clubs that he's been shopping to yep. have been quite surprised about the fact that he's been shopping because mm. outwardly everything seems okay, he's going along okay at his club, whatever. So on the back of that, we wanted to, you know, just add a bit of... yeah. Add a bit of spice Spe- to the room. Speculation, speculation, speculation. Without knowing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No who one. would be the coach? Yep. And who's he shopping himself to? Like, what's his number one place that he yep. want to go? And why, possibly? Can I, can I give you my... Because I don't know the answer to this. Well, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 11 16 If you have got an idea who that coach is, who you think it is, yep. and why, and, yep. and where would he be going? Yeah. It probably doesn't... You gave me a little bit more information than what you did in the green room yeah, about yep, this guy yep. being comfortable right now. Yes, yeah, outwardly thought, comfortable. I would have thought Scotty Miller at Newcastle yeah. Jets, after he bagged his own players a couple of weeks ago, would have immediately started getting the, handwriting those letters, those six-page letters, with a bit of fairy dust in the envelopes <laughs> and sending those out. Because Scotty Miller is a man who thinks he's too good for Newcastle Jets, and the players know that that's a message he's sending out there, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure that uh, he's a guy that would be looking elsewhere already. I've got no idea who would For be. me... It's one of the high-profiled Australian managers, and I'll put it into a trifecta. Musket, Popovich, Why? or Arnold. It's not Musket. Why? It's not Musket. Wouldn't musket. be Musket. No. It won't be, it's not Musket. Going to Perth. The great Western underperforming. <laughs> he'll go as a the messiah. Unwashed, the unwashed. He'll go, and he'll go whoever. Imagine Tony Popovich... Why? Going Why to would, Perth Why as would, the Messiah hang on, hang to on. bring the title to Perth. <laughs> but he is the Messiah already. Warren, in why Western would Sydney. Tony Popovich go from a club that's going to pack out their new stadium, which is third every week? Right? He's got he's given the he's got a job for life already. Why would he go to Perth? Right? And Musket, are you kidding me? You'd Musket, go as the Messiah, Musket Carlos. Is now, <laughs> Musket has been adopted by Anthony De, De Petro. Yeah, and, adopted. Uh, adopted, Ian Robson. They're, they're part, he's part of the family forever. Yeah. But right? So who's the other one you mentioned? Although, Peter Philopoulos has got something good going up across and there. And by the way, he retweeted yeah, Peter I'm telling you the now. CEO. He's wondering who it is too. <laughs> and why he hasn't been contacted. When Vinny... And I'm not asking him to come on and deny the rumour. But, Carlos, it's seemingly comfortable 
seemingly job for life. <laughs> no, that's, that's secretly that, that, shopping that's, himself that's, that's around. Graham, that's Graham Arnold. Graham Arnold Graham. to Perth. Anyway. No, why would he be going to Perth? It's the Messiah, you know, the great, <laughs> the great potential you know of who, the West. You know, who I reckon. Like, if I had to speculate, yes, it the, the John John the Baptist moment would be Ernie Merrick. <laughs> Just <laughs> where it could that be, could be absolutely good one, Vinny. You know, where uh, though? Yeah, but he's but anyway, Ernie's not, Ernie's not, back on the mainland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just wants to be back yeah. on the Ernie, mainland. He's been shopping himself around <laughs> prior to Phoenix. And by the way, he's a guy that's had, he's, he's done it hard in that once he, he lost a job in Hong Kong, no A-League club would touch him. But Phoenix gave him another go, showed he can, he can actually coach. I don't know. Look, maybe Newcastle Jets and Ernie Merrick might uh, be a nice little fit. Who and knows? I am, and can I say I brought this topic to the table? You did. But I'm saying to you, I don't <laughs> want, I don't want abusive, <laughs> like, I don't want Kev. I don't want you ringing up, feeling like you need to deny it. This is purely yeah. speculation. Muskie's just sent a text message through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's, he's a, he, Graham Arnold, uh, no, this yeah. is Dan. Graham Arnold wants to coach Italy for Russia 2018. <laughs> that would be uh, impressive with his uh, dour and boring uh, oh. style of play. That's Daniel in Gladstone Park. Yeah, well, I'll have a bit of a chat to yeah. Daniel. Well, your rant's coming later. up, yeah, and yeah. that almost sounded like your rant. But, no, no um, not quite. <laughs> look, guys, it's, it's already quarter past 11. Yes, it is time for the Q&A. With Rodrigo Rodriguez, who <laughs> <laughs> just asked the questions. Um, look, the big blue. Let's get stuck into it. It is, mm. you know, the big blue. Melbourne victory defeated Sydney FC one nil, of course. And uh, geez, I've got to, I've got to say that after the game, I felt like I shouldn't have enjoyed this game. Yeah. Everyone was telling me that it was, you know, it was a boring game. But you enjoyed it. Didn't I you? actually did. Like, that, that means you've arrived. <laughs> it means you've arrived as a soccer commentator. Good, good. Football commentator. Well, well, I really did enjoy it. Because I do, I enjoy those games. Yes. But all I heard, all I read today, all I heard on social media, how boring, boring, <laughs> boring. They were calling it the boring blue. Yeah, that's right. Rather than, rather than the big blue. I, I, I really enjoy the clash of tactics, the, the mind games off the field in the lead up where Muskie was saying, oh, we know how Sydney's going to play. They're going to be reactive. We're going to be proactive. Now, you call a, a coach, any coach in world football, even juniors, Reactive? That's a slap in the face. <laughs> See, I wouldn't care. <laughs> Call me what you want. I just want to get the results. Oh, no. I'm telling you. The, <laughs> Away the, from the, home. The, the, the subtext is, yeah. you, call me, you call me reactive? That's a slap people, in the face. People just gonna... And I tell, there was this stuff going on between Muskie and, and Arnie. I love that stuff on and off yeah. the field. And look, they, they shook each other hand wholeheartedly. And then, uh, you know, Kevin Musket went and potted him again <laughs> in the uh, press right. conference That's after right. it. But uh, this, was a, this was a really, really interesting game. Obviously, it was good to see how victory tried to break mm. through, and in the end it was an own goal, um, by Yerman, who was probably their best mm. defender in the end. But uh, how quick Sydney w- were to get back into position, um, I, thought it was, I thought it was good fun to watch. I thought it was a really good game, mm. and I thought both teams contributed to the game because there were periods of time where Sydney actually had a little bit of dominance. I'll tell you one thing, and I didn't approve of what Graham Arnold did at the... Central Coast game when Matt Simon came on and scored two goals for them to get the win. But the one thing I will say about Graham Arnold in terms of Matt Simon, that Matt Simon's never going to win style points, mm. but he's an absolutely wholehearted player and he plays for Arnie. And last night, he was absolutely exceptional mm. in terms of how combative he was. And, you know, he, he was more than that because he was a potential risk 
um, to score. Yep. He gets up. He wins the balls. He allows Sydney to players to get that second ball from the head. And I'd have to say his improvement. And he was one that took money, went overseas to China. It never worked out, and it cost him because when he South came Korea, I think. South Korea, yep. but when he came back. He'd lost it, mm. and it's taken him a while to get it back, but he's absolutely arrived, and he's keeping Shane Smelt out of the team, and mm. he was really good last night. Mm. Mm. I have to, Look, um, it was a good game, even though victory were obviously frustrated for much of it by by Arnold or, or Sydney FC's defensive tactics, but I, I love the persistence of the victory boys, and and the, their fitness is quite telling. You, you know that they're, like Costa Barbarousas, his tank is very good, mm. and uh, yep. he was. They were going to. They would have been unlucky not to break through. As it happens, they they got a luck. The, the goal was sort of lucky because it was an own goal. But they were they were really um, making Sydney work for it. I, look, I, I it was a very interesting stat uh, in the first half. I'm not sure it was towards the end of the first half or midway through, where they were talking about the number of times victory had actually entered their penalty area, and yep. you'd think. With the way people talk about Sydney being defensive, you automatically think parking the bus. Now, parking the bus means you're usually defending on the edge of your box. Uh, you're in, in a block, a couple of lines in front of your box, and you and sometimes you defend in your box. So the team who's got the ball all the time tends to get in the box a lot. Well, what, what all, uh, you know, three quarters of the way through the first half, Victory only got in the box about three times, their own box. So when people talk about Sydney being defensive, they're actually being if you like, a proactive defensive side. Oh, they you know, defended they, in, the in, middle in the middle third. of the park. Yeah, they, they did. They do it as well, probably better than any A-League club does. Perth do it okay when they're in form, but they probably they probably sit a bit deeper. Sydney actually defend in the middle of the park. Now, they don't have the prongs, you know, the blistering yeah. prongs to, to send off when they win that ball. That's their problem at the moment. But if they get a couple of... Well, they get Brosk back. When, yeah, when, a Brosky or someone yeah. like that who can break quickly after they after they turn over the, uh, the the opposition ball in those middle parts of the ground, I think they will be dynamite. But they cannot win. No. I'll make the, they cannot win the grand final or the league. They can't win the league or the grand final if they're going to be playing that way with that team uh, the way it is. But if they can get Brosky back and a few other little live wires maybe during the transfer window, get someone to, to be that sort of striker, that deadly striker up front with electrifying pace, uh, then you might find that their system might win them something. Well, Holosko's no Mark Yanko at the moment in oh, terms no, of no the, the goals that he's produced and the ability for him to be able to get on the end of things. And I think what did, what did Yanko score last year? It would have been somewhere between 10 and 15 oh, goals, was, maybe yeah, even more. Yeah, no, and um, they're just missing that. Because Olosko is actually now playing a little bit deeper. They've gone to Matt Simon playing up the top. As a prong, And Olosko yeah. is sort of playing maybe number 10 or whatever and just hasn't got the goal production. But the other thing I'd say is I think if the victory, the victory's wide men are coming into form. Ben Kalfalar is getting back to what his form was, I think, from last season. And Barbarousas, who has been a bit in and out, He's been very consistent in terms. So I think the key to victory is when they get that width and those guys playing well, they're, they're a hard team to their beat. Their ball, I don't want to be using their ball circulation. Mm, interesting. Was very slow last night, and that was their problem yeah. in the first half, and they didn't quite get it right in the second half. But Sydney do a great job denying space to the opposition they did. and really clogging up the gaps where they can play through. So it almost forces you to play over the top. But because they, they defend so high... Uh, that any ball over the top goes straight to the keeper. So it's a brilliant tactics. Can I just say, any other day, Borussia would have scored that 
one in the first, oh, first minute. Yeah. I tell you away. what, no, I don't know what they have. Ben Kalfalar was just what is it, 90, 90 degrees, you know, to the right of him. All it needed is a little bit of a side foot. It would have been a perfect goal. There were times when he's a bit a bit too greedy. Right. You, no, we're talking about the very yeah. first, yeah, right, in, in, talking, in yeah, the first but, minute. Yeah, Ben Calfalo right. was right to his right. He should have taken that, though, Carlos. Yeah. But anyway, um, just a quick, couple of quick texts before we go to Warren's uh, rant. Uh, I'd like this from Dean in Point. Best part of the big blue was the blue by the blues, which was the own goal. Um, <laughs> and Dan here, technical and low scoring is okay for diehard football fans, but you're not going to attract new fans True. with that Sydney Smurfs boring style of play. Thank <laughs> yeah, you very true. much. True. Um, and, and, and actually on the hot topic, uh, which co- A-League which coach is shopping himself around? Graham Arnold, guys, reading the tea leaves that the Sydney FC board want a more exciting style if a team is going to be fifth. <laughs> it's uh, Sam. Thank you very much. Yep. Hey, um, we'll get into more of the quick Q&A oh, yeah. after the break, but now it's time for Warren's rant. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. Thank you, Rodrigo. And look, my rant today, and I'm quite passionate about this because it does come on the back of Kevin Muscat's comments, and not just Kevin Muscat's comments. We've had John Aloisi earlier in the year. We've even had Jurgen Klopp at various times having a go at opposition coaches for style of play. As far as I know... The last time I checked, even though Carlos calls me naive, is the game is about points, results. It's not about style. It's not synchronised swimming, gymnastics or surfing where you get style points. Coaches bank points to make finals or win titles. There's no obligation for Graham Arnold to come to Melbourne away from home in front of 43,000 people and play a, a game that's pleasing to the eye. If was he's he, at home, he'll he a, play. Was he a big bash, was he? Because there was only 30,000 <laughs> on Monday. Well, whatever it was. Tuesday. Uh, victory always inflate their crowds. That's another issue. Oh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, there is no obligation for style. Graham Arnold's style isn't boring every week. And... Melbourne Victory fans who are getting on the SMS saying that they're boring don't watch A-League games every week. They just simply don't watch any other team except their own. And Graham Arnold and whoever. John Van Skip against Brisbane when John Aloisi said that they weren't playing, there was only one team playing anti-football. It's just ridiculous. When they start giving style points, (laughs) teams will start playing. And people need to get used to that, aware of that. And as far as I'm concerned, when Liverpool go and play at a hellish place like Norwich, I'm not looking for a 5-4 victory. I'm looking for a 1-0 game. And I don't care if they park the bus. That's Warren on the Four Diego's. My centre forward is so slow that if you raced his pregnant wife, he'd finish third. If she was having twins... He'd finish fifth after the gyno. This has been a sad coaching moment by the four Diego's. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. It is the Diego's and uh, talking about Melbourne victory and Warren's rant. Um, Warren's rant from Stephen in Richmond wins gibberish of the week, hands down. (laughs) 
There you what's, go. What's the gibberish of the name? week? Uh, the Warren, Warren, name? Steve, Stephen in Richmond. <laughs> Thanks sorry. for your feedback, Stephen. It's much Stephen, He'll take it on board. He does take it on board. We'll take it on board. And yeah. by the way, off Twitter at Four Diego's yeah, yeah, Andy yeah. G off Twitter. Um, Warren might be happy with five thousand people turning up to watch Catanacho, <laughs> but all the other big teams are trying to grow a league. And good on you, Andy. That's well said. Hmm. Okay, there See you go. the host of Australian Idol. Anyway, um, <laughs> was he? <laughs> Thanks again for the feedback. That's all I can say. It's yep. good. All we're doing, trying to do through my rant is stimulate a little bit of conversation. That's good. all we're trying to do. You no, get hurt by criticism. No, I no. actually am fairly sensitive. <laughs> you are. Very that's right. He hates criticism. He'll be yes. in the car park for an hour. I know. That's right. <laughs> now. His head on the steering wheel. Yep. Why? 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 Anyway. Sobbing. <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> yes. Hey, um, let's go back to the Q&A because I know how with? people are really excited by this segment. Mm? The Q&A with? With Rodrigo. <laughs> and uh, I'll talk about the Ollie Roos guys and, of course, the debacle and the fact that they didn't uh, qualify for the Rio Olympics. And uh, obviously the, the very hot mail is that uh, Aurelio Vidmar will be uh, axed when his contract expires or just won't be renewed. Um, how? Do, I mean, this is a big question, isn't yeah. it? What should we do and how did it go... So horribly wrong. I've got a left field one that I threw out to the public in Andy Marr's hour with me the other day. I'm just wondering, is it necessary for our underage teams to necessarily win? No. I, look, uh, I don't, I don't it, disagree. Uh, let me just, I'll, just, I'll just finish this. The underage teams are there really to feed into the Socceroos, aren't Is that true? Yep. Would yeah. you all agree with that? Yep. Okay, so it's all about the Socceroos being the best they can be. And the underage teams, the ones that have been our great ones, let's say uh, 91, uh, our young Socceroos was Paul Oak on Ned Zelich. They made it to the semi-final of the uh, World Youth Cup against Portugal in Portugal. Musket we lost, was in that. Musket was in that team. Bosnia. We lost 1-0. That was at the, the base of our golden generation. Well, if you look through that squad, only three or four players came through and actually played for the Socceroos regularly and were 10-year Socceroos. Some of them got the odd game, but they weren't the greats, okay? Um, the other one was, uh, uh, was it Barcelona? Barcelona Olympics, I think, 92. Uh, our team made the semifinals of that too. And out of that squad, the same thing happened. So the, the point I'm making, and by the way, then the under-17s made the World Cup final in, two, in 1999. Remember our, yep. our, our Joey's versus... Yeah, against uh, Brazil. Now, of that team, Josh Kennedy was our only 10-year soccer out of that squad. So to say that these underage teams are feeding in big numbers players to our senior team, the data doesn't tell us that. I, so I'm not saying we walk away from underage football. What I'm saying is maybe it's just there for the experience and maybe the players learn to be at the level you need to be to play for Australia at their clubs, whether it's A-League or whether it's overseas clubs. I think in all honesty, Carlos, our model is for players to seemingly come to their best between the age of 24 and 25 and 30. We're seemingly late developers. Now, I'm not sure whether that's got to do with the way we develop players in underage, but I'd certainly prefer a model where we're not as successful in underage because if you look at the likes of Jordan and some of those other countries, they seem to be better or if not as good as us at underage, but they don't seem to be able to have the players that develop into senior players. I'll be interested. Do you persist with a model of having your young Australian coaches and normally ex-Socceroos continuing to take that team as a way of developing their coaching talent? Or do you take a more pragmatic approach and you go out and get, get the, best. the best underage but the, coach? But the, 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 there's some fundamental problems and really I deserves to 
be moved on from the job. He's had two cracks at it, and I know there's a lot of problems he's had to face. They had up to. Will ten... there be an interview with Craig Foster before? I advised Vidi, Vidi on the. Uh, I'll call him Vidi because he's my mate. Uh, I, I advised Vidi on Twitter. Do not take Craig Foster's call. <laughs> Don't okay. take him. Hasn't, hasn't do Craig not Foster take, just do, been appointed chairman. Yes, yes, it's, it's the a, PFA. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking that that perhaps the you know the the fundamental issue because the, the other 23 qualifiers weren't through a, a designated FIFA international date. Because of that, there were up to eight first team players who weren't who weren't available to play. They just weren't allowed to come uh, by the clubs. So if that's the case, and it's going to be the case every time, that's, that's, a, that's going to be a problem for our team all the time. So if that's a fundamental problem, do you invest heavily in that level? Because we don't have, if, if we were the AFL and had all the money mm. in the world, you keep on investing at all levels. It doesn't matter what happens, really. But we've got a certain amount of the cake. Do you invest more? Do you bring a marquee player from overseas and, and invest in that? rather than spend the extra million on the Oli Roos preparation that's going to be fraught with danger in here because we won't have our best players. How much experience do they get from the process anyway, theoretically? Because, you know, what, the catching a plane with a group of other guys. <laughs> well, this Never is, done that before? Oh, oh, Got no, to try? No, before we, before we, we bag all that, because I, that's a question I ask, but I have never played at that level. Mm. I would love to get someone who was successful at that level, like a, like a Bozza, like a Ocon, like a Zelich, and say, how much did that experience uh, help you become the player you were in the end? Or was it your time with your NSL club and then your time with your overseas club? I, I would know. love I just... to know what what they felt they got out of playing for the Ollie Roos. Well, I just looked at this group of players and, and a lot of them are quite experienced blokes now. You know, I think I was I was surprised they didn't get through this um, because from from my perspective, obviously, you know, there's a bit, quite a bit of investment mm. in, in, you know, the Ollie Roos and... Uh, you know, I, I I get what you're saying, and I think I think you know, um, it's it's a good call, and, and you're getting some um, love off the SMS here, Carlos. But oh, uh, but <laughs> and so are you, Warren. Actually, I'll I never get later criticised on. like but, you. Uh, <laughs> but I actually I'm surprised that this group of guys didn't. There's, there was something wrong here. But um, they they should have well. Well, it's pretty like it's, a lot of teams. We struggle to put at that level against Asian teams away from home in difficult places. But if you don't prepare them properly... We struggle to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, but we don't prepare them properly. We don't have our best teams. We, like you said, we have the coaches learning on the job. But we're still investing millions in it. Is it a waste? Is it a waste? Or do we just or do we pick the young Socceroos and invest in them? Don't invest so much in the Olyroos. It doesn't matter if we don't go Although to the Olympics. Although the Olympics is such an iconic oh, thing. Yeah, but that... you, you know what I hate about the Olympics? Whenever the soccer's on... They want to shoot off to the shooting or something. And so for that reason, I don't want to go to the Olympics. I'd rather go and watch the athletics at the Olympics and not have the soccer because I never get to watch a full game. So I, I, I think, I, I think it, look, it's, it's, I think it's quite radical what I'm, what I'm suggesting. It'll never happen, but because it'll cost a lot of people their jobs because they're not going to yeah, invest yeah. so much in it. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what their next move in. It would moves. be a huge move if they I scrapped think, it. Yeah. I think at the end not of the day, it, not scrap it, but you don't. Spend so much money on it. You don't prepare them as well. You just send them to the tournament and hope for the best. They've got to invest in better admin people, first of all, so that we get the ticketing so the boys, once they finish their games, can get back <laughs> to their clubs on time. It's true. That That's was a, a bit of a schmozzle. That was almost the biggest issue <laughs> yeah. out of this. Yeah, but, not, not, not qualifying. Yeah, but guys, you know, people are bagging the FFA. Really, you can't, you can't control flights. You don't know when you're leaving. You can't control flights, when to get people on and off. You know, it, it must, must have been a logistical nightmare. 
Anyway, well said, Carlos. Look at the AFL. They never rush junior. Spot on, Carlos. It's like Junior Tennis Australia has uh, been winning Junior Grand Slam tournaments for decades but failing to win senior titles. The world only cares about the seniors. Let's focus on the Socceroos and forget about the Ollie Roos or other junior teams. Love your show. Thanks, Joseph. And I'm not saying we forget about the kids. Cause everyone knows I love the kids and when they're coming through and, and how good they can be. But I'm saying let them learn their craft and prepare for the national team at their clubs. You know, if they're good enough to play senior football, then you look at uh, Socceroos. If they're good enough to play overseas in senior teams, they're good enough for the Socceroos. That's where we got this current crop of Socceroos from. Not from the Ollie Roos and not from the young Socceroos. Interesting uh, point of discussion. Just on Warren on your uh, rant. Warren, I would rather a boring defensive win or draw rather than a spectacular loss. Get real, the rest of you. Hey, I, okay, we, that's you know, pro-Warren. That's from uh, Chris. Um, I actually said Warren. I enjoyed... Chelsea, I actually, Chris yeah. has got to be a Chelsea man. I actually said I enjoyed yesterday's game, yeah. so get real, the rest of you. Um, <laughs> hey, let's get real, because it's Vinny Venezuela's Do I Love This Game segment. The romance, the drama, the controversy, the emotions. It's sudden death. There's only one winner. Love is a many splendid thing. It's Vinny Venezuela's Do I Love This Game segment. Vinny Venezuela, what's going on? What's going on in Europe? Well, Rodrigo, you can't trust people in the media. That's what I've learned. (laughs) Certainly can't. That's what people, that's what you tell me. (laughs) And we work in media. (laughs) And so it came as no surprise this week when, uh, well, yesterday, when Dimitar Berbatov just interviewed himself on Facebook. (laughs) Coming off um, his game with Payok where he got sent off um, after, he was subbed on, I think, and then he got a red card. And and then, you know, he got... First red card in 13 years, so it's a bit of a shock for even for, for the whole Berbatov family. Mm. But uh, he was copying criticism left, right, and centre. So the only thing he could do was organise an interview with himself. <laughs> and so here's some of it. Okay. So this, so he did this on Facebook. Okay, uh-huh. right, and some of it's true. Um, so <laughs> some, some of it's true. <laughs> so we'll, we'll take it from the top. Hi, Dimmy. You look great. You're a hotter in person. Thank you for the interview. No problem. Ta. Some media say you don't want to play for Poke anymore, said jur- journalist Dimitar Berbatov. <laughs> and he answered himself, this is why I'm giving the interview to you and not to people who are coming up with stupid things like this. This is not true. And this kind of talk, some people are trying to harm the team. Poke is my team now and I fight for my team, even if this means a red card sometimes. Dimmy darling, tell me. Why was the derby important? This was a derby where my quality and experience can help the team and not for me to stay on the bench and do nothing, he said to himself. And then finally, asking himself if he felt uh, stupid interviewing himself, he answered, why would I feel stupid? I'm offended that you would even ask me that. (laughs) Who let you in here? Who do you think you are? You're just like the rest. Nick off, idiot. Okay. That's Dimmy on Dimmy. He's a complex human complex. being. Complex. Very complex. How's the hairstyle going these days with Dimmy, by the way? Uh, I think he's, he's short now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's got to be short because yeah, he was sort of going a bit left. stupid. Yeah. When he was picking mushrooms towards the end of his career at, <laughs> on the wing at Tottenham, he was just worth... I, I saw him there when they would almost chased him out of town. He just stopped trying at Tottenham. He's a, it's his birthday on, on Saturday, 35. I'm sure okay. he wish himself a happy birthday. <laughs> hey, could he be Could he be a uh, a marquee of some sort in the A-League? At the Mariners. They could use him too. Because we have had a few of them coming from Greece. Because Fornaroli spent a bit of time in Greece. A few of them coming from Greece um, to um, sometimes bypassing India. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, through India. Yeah, yeah through the superannuation Yeah, absolutely. The other, the other thing just... Uh, um, on uh, World News is Buffon. 
uh, at Juve. He said he wants to play till um, after the World Cup in Russia, so he wants to retire around 40. Okay, Which is nice. He set yeah. himself a target. Well, I, Dino's he was off. Yeah, I think all the Italian yeah. keepers would want to at least emulate Dino's off. Mm. Yeah, they've got to be a grandparent before they retire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that in Venezuela. There you go. It's a succinct uh, gee, I love this game segment. Let's take a break now. When we come back, we're going to cross to the UK and catch up with Mike McGrath from The Sun. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. I very rarely have asked a team to win a game for me. But I'm asking you guys today, because Manchester United are a dirty, stinking, shooting football club, and I hate them. This has been a halftime pep talk by the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Thanks for joining us and coming up after Diego's It's All Night Appetite and tonight's show is brought to you by Premium Sport Tours because nothing beats being there. Make sure you check out uh, www.sporttours.com.au or we'll go to 1-800-4SPORT, 1-800-477-678. But now it's time to cross to the UK and catch up with our man, Mike McGrath. G'day, Mike. Hi, guys. Good to speak to you. Well, of course, Mike, you're writing uh, many articles. Uh, you, well, you're a journalist for The Sun in the UK, and uh, our listeners can go to the Sun UK website, and uh, which is thesun.co.uk, and check out all of your articles. It's and gold. The, uh, gold. And paywalls down. Just yeah. for Mike's articles exactly. or for yeah, everybody. Was, You've been hacked, Mike. <laughs> they penetrated free the charge, system. Man. What was that, Mike? We're free of charge now, so kind of, you know, read by many more people. Well, there um, you go. Because we get complaints every week that, you know, you can't write, you can't read Mike's stuff because it's, you know, you've got to got to pay for it. And over there, it's in pounds. It's huge, the paywall for yeah. Mike's. <laughs> so it's great. Huge. Now, it, it, the whole world, it's almost like, the, the the you know the collapsing of the of the Berling Wall here, you know, the Soviet Union breaking up. So all you need to do is go to the sun.co.uk, um, go to this uh, little uh, magnifying glass and put uh, Mike McGrath in there and search. And uh, Mike, I'm going to refer to an article that you wrote at the weekend and uh, about Louis Van Gaal and uh, he's facing the Manchester United hate mob and he's saying that he fears for his job after their one nil loss to Southampton. I mean. He fears for his job because, really, he's seeing the writing on the wall, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was. A, I think it was a big turning point at the weekend. Um, he'd never felt that kind of level of um, vitriol towards him, which he which he admitted afterwards. So it was a real turning point, and afterwards he looked he looked forlorn. He he was asked, you know, what um, about his future, and you know, basically he was saying it's, it's out of out of his hands now. So um, he's, you know, he's told people uh, in Holland this week that he's determined to carry on, um, but I, I think it will be really difficult for him to carry on if they lose to Derby in the FA Cup on Friday, uh, which is like the big match to kind of start the weekend of FA Cup uh, action. Mike Gavini here. Now, there's been talk of a love letter from Jose to Man United, so we know about that. Now, Jose's people are denying its existence, whereas other people are saying it actually, you know, it, it, it's real. But there's also talk about, well, Jose's not the, the preferred candidate because if he was, he would have been given the, the, the position by now. Is Man U just waiting for someone or, or what? What's going on? No, I mean... Jose's kind of made his um, put his case forward in terms of his statement when he got sacked. He said he's staying in the country. He's not taking a sabbatical. 
he's ready to he's ready to step in. So I think United know that they've got a ready-made replacement if they take that leap. But the leap, you know, I don't think it'd be difficult to get Mourinho in. You know, if it happens, it's just if it's just a case of United whether they really want to push the button on Van Hal because it seems that Edward Wood, the vice chairman who's calling the shots, is trying to give him as as much of a chance possible to uh, to stay at United. I think there's a bit of face saving for him as well if he does stay because obviously he's a man who appointed him. Mike, it's Carlos. How does a story like a six-page love letter that Jose Mourinho has written the man, how does that come out? I mean, is there any skerrick of truth here in the fact that he, I mean, George Mendes, his, his manager is saying it's, his, his agent is saying it's ridiculous. It's not, a, you know, it never happened. But how could this be fabricated, this story? Is there any truth at all to it? Well, I, I certainly don't think it's fabricated. I think... Um, Miguel Delaney, he, you know, he's known around here uh, in England, um, you know, as a he's quite a high-profile football journalist. And now, I mean, he's obviously not got it from the Mourinho camp because they're quite angry about it and and um, and the reports. But I have no doubt that he's, you know, he's he's sourced this uh, he's sourced this story well because that's kind of that is what he does. Um, Look, something might be lost in translation. You don't know. You know, he often does homework on his on on the clubs that he might uh, join. I think he did that with Liverpool and Barcelona before. Um, but obviously, the Mendes camp, uh, Jorge Mendes, his agent, is saying that there there is no love letter and no begging. Um, but I, I, I do think it isn't fabricated. There is something. There is something there. But it's. Um, I, Better, like they said, and obviously the um, headline itself didn't do um, didn't do the story any favours. It was just the last three numbers on the fax machine. Just the, you got them wrong. The last three <laughs> numbers. <laughs> Mike, um, where's Ryan Giggs fit into all this? Is there a sense that he'd be expecting the opportunity to pitch for the job if Louis Van Hal is actually you know sacked or? And would Manchester United take that leap of faith in terms of a favourite son, but relatively untried, based on the fact that they're going to possibly be in a situation where they're going to have three managers within, you know, five or six years? I personally don't think that they would go down that route. Um, I think Giggs is quite, um, is still, you know, obviously extremely young. And the idea was him to be a future manager rather than 2016. So I still I think there'd be somebody else coming in rather than him taking the reins and um, and, and being, you know, the, you know maybe the British version of Pep Guardiola. I just don't see that happening um, at this point in time. I still think it's a case of him cutting his teeth with whoever um, comes in after Van Gaal or, or next season uh, with Van Gaal himself. Mike, uh, the Liverpool-Norwich game on the weekend, some pundits are calling it the best EPL game in the history of the competition. Uh, But if you look at the stats, I mean, the the game itself, I think, was quite poor. But the fact that that the score was 5-4, everyone's really excited about that. But really, if you look at the number of shots on target for each team, it's probably not much more than the five goals or the four goals that they scored. What do you think? Was it the best... The best uh, EPL game ever, as as some people are suggesting. 
I think it is up there with probably the one that everybody remembers is Liverpool Newcastle when Collymore scores, uh, you know, in, in the last minute. Uh, I think it is probably up there. Just the fact that uh, Liverpool, there were more, uh, there was fight back after fight back, um, and the way that the, you know the dramatic ending, Jurgen Klopp, um, you know, breaking his glasses and everything. <laughs> I think it probably is the best, and and typically. Um, you know, I was at Old Trafford seeing something extremely dull and all this was going on at, uh, at Carrow Road. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say something about having more fun than I've ever had at that time of night for a long time, but I won't. Um, Mike, just an indulgent question with regards to Jurgen Klopp, and I'm not going to mention the Kissing Your Sister Capital One Cup win this morning, but Liverpool in the rumours are certainly being linked with better players, seemingly better players, more high-profile players out of Germany and in other places. Do you think that the lure of Jurgen Klopp as a manager is likely to get some of these guys over the line despite the fact that he's not probably going to be able to offer Champions League football at least this season? Because there is a lot of talk, far more hype, but is it actually going to come to realisation? I do actually, because I mean, just speaking, you know, around to people around the club before we came, and there were rumours that he might come. You know, there's just a feeling that you know, Sterling might have stayed if 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 he knew Klopp was coming in. Um, I think Alex Texera is the latest name, the person that they bid for, the Shakhtar, the, the next player. That is a, a really a good level of player. They're competing with Chelsea, um, so I I do think the lure of yeah, you know, the lure of Klopp is is um, very real, and you can see you know uh, a lot is made about uh, London and what a draw that is for people. Uh, and obviously, Alexis Sanchez chose Arsenal over Liverpool, and London was a factor in that. I think maybe in the future now they see Klopp up there having such a great time, and his players seemingly enjoying their football. Um, he, he could he could grab a few and, and take them up there. Mike, uh, Vinny again, I just want to know, did uh, Arsene Wenger cop it a little bit for sort of taking off Giroud uh, and sort of just leaving uh, Arsenal with nothing in attack in the in the loss against Chelsea? Are the fans over there disgruntled? Yeah, he, he did take a bit, actually. I think he himself um, looked bemused, Giroud, that is, when, when he got t- taken off. I heard a whisper that he might have been carrying a knock, um, which might have explained it, because it really was... You know, with Theo Walcott on the pitch, albeit with the armband on because he was given the captaincy for the day to mark a decade at the club, and Joel Campbell on the other wing, you'd just think that it might be better to take one of them off. I mean, Giroud's good at defensive um, work at set pieces as well. So I, I didn't see the logic in that, and I think nor did the player and, and the fans um, and pundits as well. So, you know, I think he probably um, probably regretted it as well with the way that game panned out. Mike, uh, a lot of superlatives on the weekend. Of course, they're calling the Norwich and Liverpool game the best EPL game ever. But they're also talking about the Dali Alley goal for Tottenham as the best goal ever in the EPL. What did you think about that? I mean, I, I was excited when I saw it. It was it was a, an absolute cracking goal technique. I just think um, it's probably one of our goals of the season. I may, I think it might make top 20 um, Premier League goals, but there's a few others that, uh, if it crashed in off the bar, which is always um, 
always aesthetically pleasing, it might have been goal of, you know, goal of the Premier League. But going bottom corner, I think he's, he, I mean, he's got a few goals in him, obviously. He might have a few more spectacular ones. Yes. Um, but I think it's a, an extremely good one, but maybe not up there with like Yeboa and, and those ones that we, uh, that we saw a few years ago. Yep. The kid can play. Hey, Mike, uh, we're going to have to let you go there, but um, where are you off to this weekend? Um, I'm... I'm at City v Everton um, tonight um, at the moment, actually, as well, uh, for, for a youth team game here. And um, at the weekend, um, it is Arsenal-Burnley on the Saturday and Derby-Man U on the Friday, which uh, could be eventful. Well, thanks, Mike. A lot of Australians are reading your articles as we speak at thesun.co.uk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Search for Mike McGrath. Hey, Mike, thanks for your time on the Diego's, as always. Cheers, guys. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break now and come back with a bit more of the Diagos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the four Diagos. Benny Jones is in after the Diagos with All Night Appetite. Uh, it's been a big show. Wanderers take on City on Friday and then Perth Glory, Melbourne victory at 9.40 on Saturday. That's it for this week's show. Remember, Carlos. We're Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. We'll, we'll be there. there. We'll be 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 there. We